The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. This is the word of the Lord. Our reading today is from the book of Exodus, chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters pile up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew your wind, the sea covered them, they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? This is the word of the Lord. continue on page 7 with our gospel lesson from Luke chapter 24. While they, that is the disciples, were still talking about this, this being Jesus's crucifixion and supposed reappearance, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why did doubts raise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it, because of joy and amazement, he asked them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he, tur- uh, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Generation 
tell you, I miss those a great deal. Can I get an amen? Amen. I went through preacher's withdrawal. <laughs> but it's hard to talk and not receive any feedback, if you know what I mean. To look into your eyes, right? To see the smiles, the frowns. You know, those of you who are really awake, those who are kind of nodding off. Our bodies speak a lot of language, don't they, whether uh, we want to admit it or not, but I miss those a lot. So can I get another one, please? Amen. All right, thank you. You know, as uh, our uh, army of volunteers was helping to set up the other night uh, for this, and, and they crushed it this weekend. Hopefully you saw on Facebook, I posted some pictures of not only the setup, but also the distribution of 300 meals yesterday and, and all the other work that went into uh, the last few days. Uh, Todd, Todd Nitz was putting together this stage, and when he was done and he had me stand up here, I, I, said, I said, Todd, you have added at least 18 inches to my life. I went from five foot eight to seven feet tall. 
I could now put on a uniform of the Dallas Mavericks <laughs> and perhaps substitute for Porzingis, right? <laughs> Would anybody notice? I don't know, when I was growing up, you know, my, my NBA heroes were the five-footers like uh, Spud Webb and Muggsy Bogues, you know, uh, for those of you who remember uh, that uh, era of basketball. Um, but uh, I'm high and lifted up, if you will, and uh, I appreciate it, if it, even if it's only just for uh, a day uh, or even an hour. But I think if I was to be asked to go on the court, we've got the court before us, we've got the hoops at either end of the building, I would only need that uniform, right? Uh, so that I would appear like I had a reason to be here, playing in the game. That NBA uniform that I would wear would identify me as someone who had the authority, someone who had the discipline, someone who had reached that point uh, where uh, they found themselves among the best in the world, right? Once I'm properly dressed with the skills that were given to me, then I would be able to play. Now, there ends my reference to the game of basketball, all right? But not to this idea of being properly dressed. And that's kind of what I want to talk to you about this morning and want you uh, to think about, right? Because Easter has historically been a time in the life of the church where people get dressed up, right? And perhaps even go out a week, two weeks, maybe a month before and find that special outfit to wear on this very special day. From the littlest of children, all right, uh, um, uh, to grandmas in tow, right, everybody puts on their Sunday best for a celebration like Easter. We want to acknowledge, we want to affirm this most monumental of Christian celebrations and recognitions uh, in the life of the church, that he is risen. Amen? Amen. Now, Let's be honest, though. Sometimes our motivations for getting all dressed up in our Sunday best on Easter um, are, are varied, right? Some are authentic in a sense. Others are, are, are attempting, if you will, say it gently, maybe to show off. <laughs> I remember last year what was uh, sort of interesting about the whole idea of Zooming as a congregation uh, for Easter is that uh, you could still remain in your pajamas, right? <laughs> and attend Easter. But clothes, and this is the point, clothes are culturally significant, right? Clothes are culturally significant to our religious fabric, as they are to other religions, not just to Christianity. But we all understand the significance of what we wear, from our Easter Day clothes to basketball uniforms to uh, uh, pandemic pajamas, to all sorts of professions, the list goes on to say what we wear says a bit about our personality, who we are, and perhaps our occupation or interests, right? In fact, and this is maybe uh, a little gift from the Holy Spirit, uh, Netflix just dropped a new series called Worn Out, or Worn Stories, sorry, Worn Stories. Um, W-O-R-N, as I've, I've worn that before, about the significance of clothes and cultures and occupations uh, and, and what it means for people. So it's not just me saying this. I've got it on authority, right, from your favorite streaming service uh, as well. But here's my point. Long before clothes were significant to us, they were and are significant to Scripture, okay? As an illustration, clothes are used in the Word of God as a way of conveying God's grace and truth into the lives of God's people, right? Consider the gospel lesson from Luke 24 that I read to you a little earlier. Let me go back and read just a portion of it. This is beginning at verse 45. Luke writes, Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures, he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Now, here's the reference. 
I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Clothed with power. Dressed in strength. Not because you have Captain America's uniform made of Kevlar, Nomax, and and titanium, but because you have Jesus. The power of the one who conquered eternal death and Satan. The power of the one whose strength lies not in the weapons of war, but in the word of God. Amen? Amen? You see, the strength of our hero is seen in forgiveness and peace. Not his color-coordinated superhero outfit, right? So whether preaching or teaching or even raise the dead to be dressed with power on high is to be dressed in your Sunday best. So Jesus is your tailor. Jesus is your seamstress, right? The one who clothes you like no other. The top fashion designers of New York and Paris and L.A. have nothing on the fashion house of Christ. (laughs) But think about this illustration from a different direction, all right? We'll call it nakedness. Might be taboo for a, a church sermon, right? But nakedness, no clothes. What do I mean by that? Well, in 2018, uh, Pastor Paul Walker had a sermon on Easter Sunday, which I want to give a nod to because it deals with this idea of clothes and nakedness. And it starts like this. In the gospel account of Mark, there is a young man who makes a strange appearance in the passion narrative. That is the events of Holy Week leading up to right Easter Sunday. We first see this young man when he is arrested, or the night Jesus is arrested. Right? Verses 51 and 52 of chapter 14 of Mark uh, tell us this. Uh, verse 51, a young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus when they, that is the, the, the uh, soldiers following the Pharisees, When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. So you can get in this image of your mind a a young man uh, who, upon being seized by the guards, uh, is able to wriggle out of their grip, right? And in doing so, though, leaves behind his linen garment and flees off into the woods um, without any clothes. But Walker writes this. He says, there is more to this odd tidbit than just a wardrobe malfunction. Mark is telling us something deliberate and purposeful. The young man is a follower of Jesus who, like all the rest of the disciples, after Jesus' arrest, turns and flees. He abandons his Lord. What's worse, he flees naked. And nakedness historically has been in cultures a symbol for shame, right? From Adam and Eve uh, fleeing the Garden of Eden to the rebellion of the Israelites, even to the book of Revelation, nakedness is used as a way of conveying disobedience. It's a way of conveying sin. It's a way of uh, conveying behavior unbecoming a child of God. And And it's not because there's anything to be ashamed of in terms of the human body, right? We're told we are created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created man and woman, right? That's not, what it, that's not what it means, but rather it's how God's creation is abused and misused for hurtful and harmful purposes, whether against ourselves or against others. That's why the Apostle Paul in Romans 12:1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper, proper worship. But back to Easter and this young man. Because this young man chooses shame over fidelity to Jesus. This young man, once covered in linen, now fleeing in shame, is a symbol not only of the disciples, but for you and me. Who here has not chosen his or her own shame time and time again? Who here has not offered ourselves to Christ for his purposes and glory, but instead chosen the world? Who here has not forgotten the the grace and power of Jesus that he offers us and instead tried to hide, foregoing the freedom he has for us and instead choosing the bondage of self-deception and captivity? 
But this two-verse uh, uh, story isn't over, though, with Mark, and we'll be back to Luke in just a second. And this is what is the good news. Well, really great news. And it's this idea that we're not left in our nakedness and in our shame. Because already you heard in Luke 24 that we are clothed with power from Christ, right? Power from on high. In addition, other New Testament writers like Paul and Peter use this idea of clothing as a way of illustrating what we receive as the people of God from the gifts of God. In his mercy and in his grace and in his forgiveness and his power. I mean, you can read Colossians 3 or 1 Peter uh, 5 if you want to for more examples. But think of it this way. Think about nakedness in Jesus in this Gospel of Luke account. But in the Gospel of Luke and in these other accounts of Jesus' resurrection like the one from Mark, the only reference to a linen cloth using the same words as used for the young man who fled the scene in Mark chapter 14 is in this reference to Jesus. The same word used to describe the young man and what falls off the young man is the same word used to describe the linen cloth that Jesus is wrapped in in his burial in the grave. And the same word used to describe the linen cloth that Peter and James and John find when they get to the tomb early in the morning and find it empty. That very same word describing a linen cloth neatly folded and laid for them to see. Now, why is this significant? Because the same linen cloth that represents our sin and shame of the young man is buried with Jesus on Good Friday. The same linen cloth that represents our sin and shame is buried with Jesus in his death, and Jesus then takes it upon himself, our sin, our shame, at his death on the cross, and he is wrapped in it literally and buried in it. So we then are undressed, so to speak. But what is removed from us is the cloth of sin and shame, right? The cloth of sin and shame is removed from us so that we can put on this new set of clothes, a new righteousness, uh, not one we have pieced together by works of our own hand, like a coat of ugly colors, (laughs) but one that he has made. Brothers and sisters, especially tailored for each one of us as the people. So what happens next then in the story? Well, here's the Mark 16 version. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb for us? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Don't be alarmed. He has risen. He is not here. (laughs) So this young man, (laughs) the other gospel writers call this young man an angel, but Mark calls this angelic youth (laughs) a young man to connect him to the one who fled in shame. Is it the same man? I don't know. It actually doesn't matter. The point is that the linen cloth of shame is gone and replaced with this white robe of the righteousness of Christ. The point is that this young man is you, this young man is me. (laughs) And why is the white robe significant? Well, it's a nod to one other incident in the Gospels where this word is used only a second time, and that is the transfiguration of Christ. A white robe at the Jesus' transfiguration where he is revealed in glory, shining in a white that has ever been, whiter than white that has ever been. Or Matthew 17. 
The point is that that glorious robe of Christ is now on that young man. That glorious robe of Christ is now on you and on me. I know there are days when we wake up and we don't feel like it, right? (laughs) That doesn't deserve an amen. It deserves an oh my. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about. There are days that you feel less than whole. There are days when anxiety overcomes you and you worry not only for yourself, but you worry for your children or your grandchildren. A loved one, a coworker, a neighbor. And it's easy to succumb to that darkness which envelops us. But when we remember whose righteousness we wear as the people of God in Christ Jesus... It is his and his alone, his light, which breaks that darkness of this fallen and broken world. Can I get an amen? Amen. So that shame of our sin and failure is exchanged for the glory and the power of Christ. And he becomes for us what we once were so that we can become what he has redeemed us to be. Let me say that again. He becomes for us what we once were so that we can become what he has redeemed us to be. And this is what it means, brothers and sisters, to be dressed in our Sunday best. Whether it's a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or a Thursday or Saturday. If we are what we wear, then we are children of God created in his image, redeemed by Jesus and being sanctified by the Holy Spirit for our good and his glory. There is no better outfit or set of clothes to be found in heaven or on earth than the grace and truth of Christ. You know, in all honesty, too, it doesn't matter what you wear to church. I mean, please wear something, right? (laughs) Okay, so it does matter, right, that you're dressed? No, but Scripture reminds us in 1 Samuel 16... That where we as humans so often look at the outward appearance of men and women and and perhaps even judge them upon the way they look or what they've chosen to wear, Scripture reminds us that God simply looks at the heart. God simply looks at the heart. We might get judgy, but God doesn't judge or criticize his own work. (laughs) Remember that. So as you go your separate ways today, tomorrow, wherever the Lord takes you on this journey of faith, you will go well-dressed into Monday and into Tuesday and into Wednesday and into Thursday, Friday and Saturday. You'll go to work and you'll go to school. You'll be looking good. (laughs) And that heart of yours because of what God has done for us. That heart of yours will be clothed in joy. It'll be clothed in peace. It'll be clothed in forgiveness. And as we're reminded by today's text, it'll also be clothed in his power. So it's a heart dressed by Jesus, which I think, brothers and sisters, is preferably as preferable to anything we might actually find on the rack. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Well, brothers and sisters, we continue now with our worship. Our confession of faith is found in the words of the Apostles' Creed, as well as our prayers on behalf of God's people. And I invite you, as you're able, uh, to stand with me as we make that shared confession of faith with Christians around the world. Also, don't forget that for our communion service, uh, you will remain in your seat. And if you have not picked up uh, your communion uh, kit, they are back against the wall. And so uh, if, you have, if you have not gotten your communion kits and want to send a person from your party uh, back to the corner to grab that uh, kit, please feel free to do that. So um, we are attempting to minimize contact. So appreciate your cooperation. So. Well, with Christians around the world and across the ages, we make our shared confession in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. And on the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven 
and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we come before you this morning, we're Lord, as a church, to celebrate, to be welcomed into your presence for the party, to rejoice together as we look around and we see familiar faces and we catch up with one another and marvel at how your Holy Spirit continues to knit the body of Christ together around the world and across the ages. We thank you that you accept us regardless of how we're dressed. (laughs) That you see only upon us the righteousness of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And that because of his work on our behalf, You see upon our hearts the joy, the gratitude, and the expectation that though the ancient, uh, though the story is ancient, you are still up to something fresh and new in the lives of your people. And so we commend ourselves to you. We commend our congregation to you and thank you, Lord, again for today. We certainly continue to pray for an expeditious conclusion to the renovations so that we might find ourselves worshiping once again in your holy house. We thank you for the opportunity to steward well these facilities that you've entrusted to us and continue to pray for your wisdom and guidance in that. But more importantly, we thank you for the opportunity to steward these relationships with one another to rejoice in the forgiveness of sin and the relationship we have with you through Jesus, but also to rejoice in the relationship we have with one another. And this reality that your church, it comes in all different shapes and sizes and colors. And so we bring to you those things that we brought with us this morning on our hearts and on our minds. Because you know there are folks in here who, who are in seasons of rejoicing, but there are folks in here who are in seasons of lamentation. People who can praise you for, uh, for good work. People, though, who are looking for work. People who can thank you for the, the value of the, the relationships that are in their lives, but, Lord, others who are struggling, struggling to find healthy relationships for themselves. Lord, there are folks here this morning who are, who are asking for wisdom because they have important decisions to make about their life and next steps. What would you have them do? And then there are others who are rejoicing that you have made clear to them that your path for them, at least in the days ahead. There are health issues, people awaiting, Lord, diagnosis, perhaps others with a poor prognosis. There are others who have experienced a, a miraculous cure, those who are thanking you for, for the, the light, lightness in their step today as they've turned the corner from where they were. We know that we can bring everything to you, that we can place our prayers at the foot of the cross and that you hear those prayers and that you answer them in your time and in your way, but for our good and your glory, and we would ask nothing else. Lord, we continue to pray with thanksgiving as, thanksgiving as Christians that we are free to worship and that we live in this republic and we practice this democracy. And so by your spirit to remind us on a regular basis to pray for those whom you've placed in authority over us, whether it's our, our, our governor, Greg Abbott, or our president, Joe Biden. May we remember these men and women to you, Lord, in our daily prayers that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them clarity, that you would give them a heart, Lord, for doing what is best for our country. 
Help us as the people of the church not to abuse the freedoms that you've given to us, but instead use them so that others might prosper. So that others might know of your love and grace. Help us to put the best construction on things, Lord. When people post things online or people say things, perhaps that we disagree with, may we give them the benefit of the doubt. And may your spirit hold our tongue so that we show others around us compassion and grace that we ourselves hope to be shown as well in our own lives. Lord, there's a long list of prayers and I know I've only just begun. We continue to pray for the crisis at the border, particularly all those children who've been separated from their parents and their guardians. We pray for immigration authorities attempting to do what's best for these children, the minors. You are a God of life. You are a God who calls the church to witness to that life that you call to bring to all people. And so use your church in whatever form and fashion it finds itself, from small church to mega church, from inner city church to suburban church to country church. Help your church to be the heart and hands of feet of Jesus. To sacrifice for the world that you so love. Christ came not to condemn it, but to rescue it. We love you and we thank you for loving us. We commend the prayer spoken and the many, many more left unspoken to you. Trusting in your mercy. Now remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We're going to continue now our service with the Thanksgiving and the Sanctus. And at this time, I'm going to grab my communion kit. I encourage you to do the same. Have that out with you uh, as we go through this portion. I will give uh, instruction uh, during uh, this portion of our service as to when to take and eat and, and take and drink. And certainly encourage you when the praise team is up uh, singing in Christ alone uh, to join them uh, in this anthem. We continue now on page 10 of the service packet. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner also, after supper, he took the cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament and my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. As often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.
Take and eat in the very body of Christ, given unto death for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. And now may this very body and blood of our Lord and Savior strengthen and encourage you in one true faith and continually remind you of God's love for you. Go with this peace. Go with this joy. And go in his great Easter blessing. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Cry. 
Father, we thank you for this invitation to this table of grace and belonging. A simple yet profound meal with profound implications for our life of faith. Sustenance for the journey. So as you have brought forgiveness into our life, so too may we carry this same message that was once carried to us. That Jesus died and on the third day rose again for the forgiveness of sins and for the promise of life everlasting to all who believe. We love you and we thank you for loving us and we commend ourselves and those whom we love into your care now and for eternity. In your name we pray and all God's people say, Again, join us afterwards for breakfast and conversation. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Go in peace, for he is risen. We close with hymn 465. Now all the vault of heaven resounds.